0: Like now you've sold this artwork to this person who's going to continue interacting with you via Twitter or Discord or wherever it may be. And you get to trace where is that artwork going via the blockchain and seeing how it's continuing to move and evolve and change hands. And so it's a much different dynamic than it is whenever you just sell a canvas to somebody who found it on Etsy or found it on Instagram and like doesn't really want to engage with you any further.
1: You're listening to Lights, Camera, Crypto, the podcast exploring all things entertainment and Web3. I'm your host, Stephen Ladden, and this week our guest is multimedia artist Sarah Ballman. Sarah talks about her pivot from working in healthcare as an occupational therapist to becoming a full-time artist, a path that was jump-started when Gary Vanderchuk purchased her work and has led to a blossoming community around her art. A community that now includes Brie Larson, Jeremy Fall, and Sia as collectors. Let's dive in. Sarah, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate you having me on today.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate you coming on. And to that end, you know, excited to learn more about your journey through art and into art, and, and you know, making that career change, and uh, really understanding how everything came to be. So. Maybe just if we could go back to more to the the beginning. I know you had a lifelong passion for art, but that isn't necessarily the direction your career took you initially. What maybe speak to that and and how you eventually got onto the path.
0: First and foremost, um, I have always been passionate about art. I think the moment that I could pick up anything that was you know capable of being drawn with, painted with, whatever, I was into it. Um, I think it's kind of ingrained within my genetics. Uh, My whole family in Iran are all artists. They're all graphic designers, architects, painters, ceramicists, you name it. Um, And then actually my dad's side of the family here in the United States are also phenomenal painters and artists as well. So it was kind of, I think, something just in my system. However, um, my mom was really the only member of the family who immigrated to the United States during the Iranian Revolution in 1979. And I think being an immigrant to this country and recognizing the importance of being able to support yourself, especially since she raised me you know, heavily on her own, um, she really pushed me to find a career path that would be very sustainable, that would be around. So she was very much like, you are going to be a doctor, a lawyer or engineer. Those are your three options. Sure. Um, yeah, that's my mom's voice, in case you're wondering. <laughs> um So I kind of bartered with her and we landed on occupational therapy. So I went to university, got my master's degree in occupational therapy, all the while actually creating artwork, selling artwork on the side via Etsy to help pay for my education. Um, And I continued actually selling artwork, paintings, and so on, even while I was working in the hospital full-time. Fast forward to mid-2021, Um, I get into the NFT space. I mint some of my art pieces and Gary Vaynerchuk makes a post saying, I'm looking for artists with unsold artwork. I'd love to be your first collector. I commented, would love it if you would be my first collector. And this was a Saturday. I was actually working in the hospital on the Saturday because in healthcare, we don't have holidays or weekends. And next thing I know, I'm in a patient's room and I'm getting a bajillion notifications on my Apple Watch, on my iPhone. They're all coming from Twitter. And at that point, I was still like kind of like on, you know, it was a struggle for me still figuring out Twitter. Uh, I call my husband and I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, why am I getting all these notifications? And he's like, "Um, Gary just bought three of your art pieces and the rest of them sold out in 45 seconds. Um, And I was like, can I quit my job? And he was like, "No," but <laughs> you know, thankfully, prior to that, I had been working on something more purpose-built for the NFT space, being the ten thousand-piece season one women and weapons collection that many people are currently familiar with. Um, and when that minted out in October twenty twenty-one, um, I think we really hit it into high gear. And I ended up actually quitting my job in the hospital in January of twenty twenty-two. So it's been a wild ride. Sorry if that was sure. a long spiel. No,
1: it's 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 perfect and. I think what's really cool about it is it sounds like you never really lost sight of the importance art had in your life, even going on the the track of occupational therapy. Art was still there. It was something you know maybe it wasn't what was allowing you to quit that occupation, but it it was prevalent and, and you stuck with it, and then it sounds like preparation met opportunity, you know, as cliche as it is, and that's kind of what worked out here.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I think I look back and I think, you know, there were so many times that I tried to really push my artwork to the point where perhaps it would allow me to pursue artwork more full-time and maybe occupational therapy on the side. And there was just never that right time or even the, I guess, like the sparkle that allowed me to find an opportunity where I could push my artwork to be a full-time thing. Um, until the NFT space came around and then something in my gut was like, this is that moment that you've been waiting for. And like, you know, I'm cautious. Like I'm, I'm certainly somebody who likes to take risks and very much, uh, akin to the saying, you know, leap in a net will appear, but I still was like, you know, I'm not ready to make that jump yet. Not ready to make that jump. And whenever I got into the NFT space, something in my gut was like, this is your time to jump and you will be okay go for it and that's why I really followed my gut and clearly you know it paid off so uh, I'm extremely grateful and still I think can't believe that it's real
1: yeah and in in when you said you followed your gut is had you followed your gut in other areas of your life that they gave you the confidence to kind of trust that instinct trust that light bulb when it when it hit so that you're like okay hey I've had this experience before maybe in other areas and now this is coming to fruition in a different way, but I know that I can trust this if I make this decision that that chances are it's probably aligned with the other successes that I've had.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think I've always been a gut follower that has been slightly clouded by some of the cultural aspects uh, of my life that kind of like impede upon that gut following. Um, but you know, Jake, my husband, Jake and I have, have operated several businesses in the past and we've always followed our guts with that. And it's never led us astray. And whenever I got the gut feeling with this, I just knew like, you know, I know it's, it might be risky. It may be something that could totally go South, but it's worth a shot. Like what's the worst that can happen? Um, and I'm so glad I did because I'm learning now that like, not now, but I guess even at that point in time, that like sometimes taking those risks are so imperative because if you don't take those risks, you may never know if it would have worked out. Um, but it also really taught me the, um, the, the gift and the skill of persistence as well, you know, persisting with whatever your dream may be. Like you may fail 899 times, but that 900th time you may have success. Um, and so I think that a lot of people lose sight of the importance of persistence. Like they'll, they'll try and they'll try and they'll try and they'll fail. Um, and they give up because it's, it's heartbreak after heartbreak. Um, but you, you soon realize that like each of those failures is an opportunity to learn and improve to the point that you will have a win and a success. So Mm -hmm. that was, I think another learning moment for me too.
1: And, and, and along that same train of thought, what was the inspiration or the introduction to nfts to web3 that allowed you to even conceive that that was a possible direction for everything
0: yeah um so my husband actually got involved with nfts early 2021 um and i think he immediately saw the opportunities that it likely provided to a lot of individuals as well as how intriguing it was to see this technology being used and so he was very much like hint, hint nudge nudge sarah you really need to look into this you really need to get involved with this Um, and so I finally did. And of course, it was like it was kind of like a slow drip for me getting involved with it because it is a big pill to swallow. It was certainly a massive pill to swallow what NFTs were in 2021. Um, but I started getting involved with it. I started getting involved with the community. I was like, wow, the people are really nice here. Everybody's kind of uplifting one another. Um, but also these opportunities that I think blockchain technology is offering us, especially as artists with these, you know, royalties and perpetuity to help support us, you know, sustainably throughout time. Is amazing and the fact that we're able to put our artwork on the blockchain stay in contact for a you know a longer period of time is really incredible and that's why i was like you know this is interesting i'm fascinated by all of this i must pursue it and learn about it even if it's going to take a while because it's a big pill to swallow and it's overwhelming you know definitely stick with it and learn about it so that was kind of like my intro to it all and why i stuck around
1: as you learned more about it, so you were, it sounds like with the aid or, or, or sort of, uh, nudging or, uh, slight tutelage of, of, or instruction from your husband, you basically were self-taught and learned the space yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, with certainly a lot of help from my husband. I mean, he's an absolute tech wizard and I am like, tech light, I guess you could say. Um, and so he certainly helped me through a lot of like the more technical aspects of it because that's just not really where my wheelhouse is. My wheelhouse is much more so in the creative uh, area. Um, but, you know, I was certainly willing to give it a try and willing to learn something new and, you know, it's it's hard. And I think a lot of times when we find something that's really hard that we're learning about, uh, we tend to give up because it's overwhelming and it's exhausting. Um, But oftentimes learning a new skill, learning a new whatever it may be, you know, just might change your life.
1: Yeah. And in some ways, too, it sounds like this was you already had had success with Etsy selling your art to help with school and and stuff like that. Was it just doing that in a different did you view doing Web3 or putting your art into NFTs as sort of the same process, just in a different format, different landscape?
0: Kind of, yes, um, except that I think I learned the importance of community and participation within the community. I think mm. whenever I was trying to sell my artwork on Etsy, it was a very much a web two esque format where, like, you're selling to a customer, you're projecting this thing to a customer. And I will say I was also not the best at social media at that point in time, because I was also in the hospital and like, you don't really, you can't use your phone in a patient's room. Right. Um, So like communicating with people on Etsy, posting, or not on Etsy, on Instagram and like posting and so on was a lot harder. Um, but then whenever I got involved with the NFT space, you really, you create this community or sort of village of individuals who are there to support you and they're, interested in what you're doing, they're fans of what you're doing, but you also kind of fall in love with them too. And so it's really a mutual give and take of they're supporting you and you're supporting them. And so it's a much different dynamic, I feel like, within the Web3 atmosphere whenever it comes to selling your artwork than it is within the Web2, Etsy, Shopify sphere of selling your artwork.
1: Got it. So one perhaps is a little more transactional, whereas the other web3 a little more immersive a little more as you mentioned communal building a little more just lively
0: very much so it, it it feels like a very different dynamic where you feel like you're exponentially closer to your collectors like you don't just sell this painting to this person and then it disappears and so do they and you never hear from them again or have any idea where that artwork goes like now you've sold this artwork to this person who's going to continue interacting with you via twitter or discord or wherever it may be and you get to trace where is that artwork going via the blockchain and seeing how it's continuing to move and evolve and change hands and so it's a much different dynamic than it is whenever you just sell a canvas to somebody who found it on etsy or found it on instagram and like doesn't really want to engage with you any further um this feels almost like a kind of um like an outer realm of a family really
1: and In- on that tip, do you still do you still communicate with Gary V with with some of your other collectors, Brie Larson? I mean, you've you have such a wide body, a diversified body of influential people. Is are they still very active in the community? How do, how does the how do those relationships play out uh, on a larger scale?
0: I do still intermittently converse with Gary. He's like the world's busiest human, so I try to leave him alone <laughs> as much as I possibly can because I know he's got much more important things to do than chatting with me. Um, I have not actually talked to Brie Larson, but I have had an opportunity to meet Sia and she's just an absolutely pleasant human. My friend Jeremy Fall, who's a collector that I've actually become friends with him via his collecting my artwork. But several of the people who have collected my artwork have become lifelong friends of mine um, Mm -hmm. that I have continued to maintain communication with and maintain a relationship with. So it really is something that feels special and different, you know. I know nowadays the royalties in perpetuity are kind of like questionable. Like they've, they've for the most part gone away. Um, but that magic of your connection with your community and the people who support you is still there, I think.
1: Right. Which is also really cool because it's, it's people that are specifically supporting what you're putting out there. And they, through this new technology, uh, have direct access to the source, which is, yes. which is pretty novel and, and, in itself, especially on a global scale.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely.
1: When, when it comes to certain collections, you know, you mentioned Women and Weapons sort of was, was the one that you, you were able to uh, call it hit the bullseye on. What inspired that collection and, and what was sort of the driving force behind it?
0: Yeah, so I actually went and I saw an art exhibit by another Iranian artist named Shirin Neshat um and some of her art pieces that really resonated with me were the pieces that kind of showed the dichotomy of how women are perceived and treated in Iran versus men and that includes you know a grown woman versus a little boy and kind of how that treatment changes and evolves um and I think similarly at that time I had been getting involved with a little bit more learning about the mid-century era and kind of delving into some of the advertisements from that mid-century era where women were Often put down, like you saw a lot of ads that like, you know, had a man's foot on a woman's head and it said, like, show her who's boss. Or wow. um, there was like a coffee ad that had this husband spanking his wife because she brought home the wrong type of coffee that he didn't like. Um, and those were very commonplace at that time, unfortunately. Um, but similarly, at that time a lot of men went into the war force during that World War II era and women stepped into these um, factory type roles, these, these working roles, they entered the workforce and kind of took over. And during that time, you know, there was a productivity increase, there was a quality improvement and so on. Um, And a lot of these women found independence during that era, right? They found their power during that era, this opportunity to, you know, be working outside of, you know, these normal bubble confines that they had been in. Um, and I think that's a big part of what inspired me to do Women and Weapons was to show these women in a very powerful way while utilizing these weapons that you maybe would have seen within the World War II era. Some of the weapons that I used were from like the 1920s, um, but these weapons were being able to be utilized also as the symbols and the metaphors of the women's car- the weapons that women carry into their everyday. Um, and there's there's like a lot of I think thoughts and feelings that I put into the collection. I tend to be the type of person who ruminates my feelings via my artwork as opposed to my words and i think that a lot of that rumination came out through those art pieces and so essentially i wanted it to be something that might be a little jarring for people um might make people stop and be like why women with weapons i don't get it um and maybe have a conversation because i think oftentimes a conversation is what really creates cultural change
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um and so that was my little bit of putting that out into the ether to help you know create some cultural change while also like working through my own thoughts and emotions into my artwork.
1: And has art always been sort of a an emotional outlet for you? Has that sort of been the way in which you're able to then tap in and and express perhaps visually what you're thinking and feeling?
0: Very much so. I think I've always like gosh whenever I was a teenager I feel like my artwork was kind of dark like you know because you're you're hitting your like angsty teen phase. (laughs) And like, I was definitely doing my best to try and be an emo kid. And so of course my artwork was kind of dark at that period. And, you know, as I got older and like, I feel like I'm kind of like a, like a happy go lucky type of individual. So I think a lot of that is reflected in the colors that I use with my artwork. A lot of like the feelings that I have about what's going on in the world are reflected in my artwork. Um, But it's also my meditation. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people may come home and they may go to yoga or they may meditate or they may, you know, whatever it is they do to blow off steam. And this is my way of blowing off steam because whenever I paint or I draw, time goes away. My problems go away. My racing thoughts go away. It's just me and the canvas or the paper. And that's all that I'm focused on. And I find that it really resets my brain. Um, and, you know, most recently I think I've been working on a lot of my feelings about what's been happening in Iran via my artwork as well. I just started a new collection that's, it's meant to be representative of kind of the strength of the people in Iran and the beauty that is Iran, even in a time where things are really, really rough.
1: Right. And, and has, has the feedback from that then, do, do does the community sort of understand what you're explaining here in terms of the inputs for you and 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 what you're hoping to create in terms of a dialogue around these you know very important topics that are both historical and unfortunately timely is is a lot of communal activity you know is the message being discussed as intended
0: initially it was actually and i'm speaking in regards to women and weapons initially it was actually a little bit um a lot of people kind of like you know, dug their heels in, they were like, I don't like this. This is weapons. And like, we don't like weapons and we don't like that. You're portraying that yada, yada. And and that was kind of where I was like, okay, so then I have not done a good enough job of explaining why I have created this collection is what that's telling me. And so as soon as I started being a little bit more vocal about what the imagery means to me and what it's my interpretation of and what it's my, you know, trying to express, That's when I think people started kind of turning around and being like, "Okay, this is about like the power of women and the symbols and metaphors of the weapons that women carry into their everyday since literally forever. Um, And that's when I think the tide started turning and I started having like brothers telling me that they bought it for their sisters to empower their sister or, you know, people telling me I bought this because it reminds me of my mom and what a, you know, I don't know if I can curse on here, but what a badass she is and like how incredible she's been um and other dads that have said you know I bought this for my daughters because I want it to be a continuous reminder to them that they can be tough and they can you know do incredible things and and you know take over the world basically um so I think it took a little while for it to resonate like what the meaning truly was behind it and now I think that's pretty well out there and people have really enjoyed it and appreciated it
1: and how cool it is to see how I think that's a perfectly illustrated example of how community can initially there can be an initial perception you can come out there and say guys here's where i'm coming from as the artist behind these works and that simple exchange then leads to a more heightened perception of what's actually out there and then suddenly as you mentioned the tides turn it's like oh okay well now i can get behind this and and Mm -hmm. i can i want to not only experience it for myself, but I want to share it and distribute it and, you know, further the message.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's the whole point, right? It's like if you go to, well, and I think some people do do this, where they go to an art gallery and they see an art piece that they might find to be vulgar or, you know, unacceptable or not politically correct, and then maybe they read the reasoning behind the artist's purpose for creating this artwork. I think oftentimes that allows people to maybe be a little bit more open minded that like you shouldn't take everything at face value and maybe you should kind of read behind um behind what it is that you're saying or read between the lines about like you know not everything is what it is at face value and perhaps that there's a conversation that's you know needed to be had based off of the fact that you reacted this way to this initially. Um, And so I think that's what a lot of artwork is meant to do. It's meant to elicit a response or a feeling or a conversation or what have you. And that's essentially what the purpose of my artwork was, you know, not only to create something that was meditative for me, but also something that sparks conversations that I think need to be had.
1: And, And how cool that you have that bullseye of it being both an outlet well, I, I guess it's multi-layered as you're mentioning. It's it's an outlet, it's a form of expression, and then a, a thought prompt, a, a, a way to engage with people with with the community around that your art that you have, and it, it's it's and at, at this point now a, a vocation. So it's it's how cool. It, you talk about persistence earlier in the conversation. How how the convergence of all of that is now your day to day.
0: Yeah, and you know I think one of mine and my husband's biggest like mantras that we have is to leave the world a better place than it was when we came into it, you know, as much as we personally can do ourselves. And, you know, I think for me, it's like, if my artwork can leave a ripple effect or, you know, cause ripple effect of like people having, you know, important conversations with others, educating others, teaching others to be more open-minded, what have you, then I think you know i'm following that mantra um similarly you know with women and weapons obviously it was a fairly large collection we made a point to donate five percent of our initial and our secondary sales to the malala fund which is um a fund that essentially helps girls in underserved countries that may not have the opportunities to gain an education actually go at a grassroots level to change the systems within those countries so that girls can get that education because there's a lot of statistics that show that even just an additional year or you a know, few years of a girl getting an education significantly improves their their chances of one, having independence, two, being safe, and three, having a job. Um, and so, you know, I want that education to be the girl's weapon. And I want, you know, these women across the world to recognize what their weapons are that they carry into their every day. Um, so we're, we're as much as possible with women and weapons trying to create cultural and social good and leave a, a positive ripple effect
1: awesome and on uh, is that sort of the objective is is positive change the objective through all of your work is that sort of a conversation that you hope stems from the consumption and the and the appreciation of your art?
0: Yeah, I think without a doubt, like my goal is for positive change. I would never want negative change. That's for darn sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, but, you know, if we can have people have conversations over important things that are happening, like, for example, what's happening in Iran, like I am certainly not a wordsmith. I'm not a politician. I'm really not. I don't know how to make changes legally in the world. But what I can do is I can paint and I can make artwork that has something to say. Um, and, you know, one of the things that's extremely important for the Iranian people is for the world to keep hearing their message and what's going on and how strong they've been and how hard they're fighting um, and continue to be a support to them and, you know, continue to empower them. And I think my contribution to that is obviously creating these artworks that can allow me to kind of tell that story and hopefully, you know, enough eyes get on it that people will continue to tell that story and continue to in my way, help the Iranian people by being a support behind them and and giving them fuel to continue their fight.
1: Mm. Mm. so in in some ways, the art becomes an instrument for change.
0: that's my goal, yeah, because you know i I may not have the strengths in other areas, but this is my strength, and this is my way of contributing, hopefully to a change in a culture that really needs it.
1: yeah, on a separate tip, just out of curiosity with the occupational therapy was there anything from that career that influenced your art did you take any cuz it's you you put the two career paths on paper artist occupational therapist they're not necessarily i'm not seeing a connection but perhaps you know there's there there is one and and one has helped inform the other
0: absolutely um i don't i think that i became my most empathetic self whenever I entered the healthcare force or the healthcare Mm. system. Um, you know, you oftentimes run across people who are extremely angry. It's the worst day of their life. They're not getting information from their healthcare professionals. They're pissed off. And one of the things that I learned is to really be patient and to empathize with people because oftentimes even these angry, angry people who are throwing their lunch at you or whatever it may be, like, you just need to hear them out and be empathetic and understand that they are stuck in this room. They don't feel good. They're not getting the information that they need and they want. They feel out of control with what's happening. And I think whenever you mirror that feeling that, like, I understand where you're coming from, this is extremely difficult, that angry persona completely changes And oftentimes that person opens up and is like, I needed this today. I needed to be able to talk to somebody about this today. And I needed somebody who would listen to me and understand. And I think that was probably one of the biggest lessons that I learned within healthcare is that like, you know, oftentimes even some of the nastiest people are really good people inside, they're just facing something. And I think that's something that I've taken into Web3 with me, that's something that I've taken into my artwork with me, um, is, you know, to try and not focus on like the nastiness, but rather on the positives and, and the lightness that is in the world, um, and really try and and focus on that and put a kind of like a sunbeam on that as much as I possibly can, and, and make that something that we are more focused on as a culture, as opposed to the negatives.
1: Totally, and what a great, experience to put into, as you mentioned, your own community with Web3, that heightened ability to empathize with different people. And it sounds like actually with the women and weapons feedback, the initial feedback of, oh, you know, the the pushback, perhaps that that was a direct way in which that situation was handled where you were able to better articulate what the the meaning of the art really truly was and also understand where the pushback was coming Mm -hmm. from. Absolutely.
0: Because, you know, I think certainly I could have gotten pissed off. I could have gotten angry. I could have been like, you know, you're not reading the purpose behind this. Like, you know, screw you, blah, blah, blah. But instead, I'm choosing to be like, I don't know what their circumstances. I don't know why this might be triggering to them. Let me kindly explain to them what my meaning and purpose is behind all of this and oftentimes people were like, "Oh my god, I am so appreciative that you took a moment to actually explain this to me. Like I apologize that I came at you so hard." Um and I feel like that's the way that we kind of need to lead with a lot of our our choices that we make, I think, as a as a culture and as a community, um is instead of just like meeting fire with fire, rather meet fire with maybe a cool cool glass of water and calm things <laughs> down.
1: Sure. Sure. And and you know that gets into the topic of uh, you know reactivity and how that's not necessarily the norm. and managing uh, one's own emotions. it's a it's a very layered box, but it's cool to hear how, through your art and through the community building around that art that you've cultivated, that perhaps more and more people aside from taking the deeper understanding of the messages you know politically and stuff like that, that perhaps, through the consumption of your art, that there's a a global uh, breath that people can take before entering into a conversation or a uh, as you're saying a, a fighting fire with fire, you know just, mm-hmm. just a look inside and saying, "Hey, maybe I don't need to react this way
0: yeah well that that and I think also like a a viewpoint of silver linings um you know, in the world, whenever things are, are rough, oftentimes there's something positive in there that can be looked at. Um, and that's, that's how I choose to lead my life. I know that some people find that irritating and annoying, but you know, that's, that's what I choose to do. And I think it's been a big, um, a big change in how I feel as a human being. Um, I feel much lighter and happier whenever I'm not so focused on the negatives that are happening.
1: Totally. On a positive tip, in terms of your own success, would you say that the defining moment was when your Twitter started to blow up, and Gary uh, had purchased a couple pieces, or was there something else that was leading up to that point where, you know, you'd already had success on Etsy? You've you've had obviously a successful career as an occupational therapist, but maybe you know what what was that moment where you you were like, you know what? And again, I know you mentioned. To your, to your husband, you know, can I quit my job? Something, there must have been a moment somewhere along that that timeline of, you know what, I actually, this might at some point allow me to quit my job. And, and I'm curious what gave you that confidence?
0: I do think probably when Gary bought was my aha moment of um, you've got to put yourself out there, you've got to take risks. Um, you've got to recognize when it's the safe time, of course, to make like a big, big risk. Um, But overall, like, I don't know the the world that felt so small before suddenly seemed so much bigger. Um, Because, you know, previously, I had been working as an occupational therapist, and I had been trying to figure out how can I get out of, you know, healthcare, you know, with a with a specialized degree, or a specialized field, like especially with healthcare, it's very hard to get anything outside of that, because you've got this master's degree in occupational therapy you've only ever worked in a hospital um nobody ever wants to hire you and now i feel like i look back and i think you know what i could have done is i could have utilized all of the skills that were transferable from me being an occupational therapist and put those towards whatever job it was that i was applying for i could have applied for 90 jobs and inevitably i'm sure somebody would have written back and said i'm willing to give you a chance Um, And I just never saw that as something that was an option until Mm. this whole change happened where Gary purchased. And suddenly I realized, oh, my God, you can kind of take the reins of your own life and change your own trajectory. You just have to be willing to accept a lot of no's and perhaps even, you know, perhaps even accept changing the structure of your life, too. Like, you know, you may end up say, wanting to change your career, get out of, in my case, healthcare and have to accept a job that maybe is lower paying with the recognition that like, I may have to tighten up my wallet for a little while. I may have to live differently for a little while, but ultimately my goal is to change my trajectory. This may not be my forever job or my forever paycheck, but there is opportunity on the other side of that. And so I think when Gary purchased was my aha moment that like all of this is a possibility. It's all an option that I just had never really paid attention to before.
1: Wow. Your pursuit of NFTs and and putting your art into that format happened prior. Like, that's what Gary purchased, right? It wasn't the other way around where you had started to play around and and put your art out into the world outside of Etsy until, like, Gary didn't prompt that uh, pivot, right? Web3 had already. Happened for you? Web3
0: had already been like my big pivot. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I was continuing to sell on Etsy. Obviously, Etsy is kind of like a slow drip unless you have like a massive following. Um, And so I was like, okay, Web3 is really interesting. NFTs are really interesting. Blockchain is extremely interesting. And like there's this convergence of some of the greatest minds, I think, in the world entering this space. And there's a reason for that. It's because there's something unique happening here. Um, and so that's whenever I decided to go ahead and try and turn all of my attention to web three technology. And I think that I actually put my Etsy shop on vacation mode, like whenever I was starting to enter the web three space. Cause I was like, I want to turn all of my focus to this and really put all of my energy into it. And that's pretty much what I did. Cause I, I just saw a lot of opportunity in the space.
1: And, and really the learning too was part of the process of you, you mentioned career shift and all of those things in many ways learning the tools of Web3 and, and NFT creation was part of that process On a, if you zoom out on a, on a macro level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think anytime you enter into a new field, you're going to have to learn about the field. You're going to have to learn about the ins and outs of it. You're going to have to really immerse yourself in it. Um, and I think that still we see a lot of people who want to jump into the Web3 space and they want to just sell whatever it is that their project is without... Engaging with the culture that's in the space, engaging with the people that are in the space, and oftentimes I think they find failure, and it's because they did not take the time to really learn and get immersed in the space and really give themselves to the space the way that they should have.
1: What were sort of your high level ways in which you were able to find success in giving yourself to the space and learn, and in the ways that helped you learn something that was, say, something you know. I don't say completely unknown, but just like anything, it, it was a new a new arena you were getting immersed in, a new arena you were you were hopping into. What sort of helped you do it in a way that worked for you?
0: I think um, the recognition that I need to make time for the people who are making time for me, um, and so what I mean by that is like. You know, somebody comments on your stuff, don't just like it, respond back to them and respond in like a genuine and meaningful way. Um, give time back to those people who have invested their time in you. And so, you know, that's something that has stuck with me since inception of all of this. This is why I still get in Discord just about I I, I want to say like three to four times a week, so that I can, you know, be there for everybody and support our community and give my time back to them as well. Um and I think that's something that maybe a lot of people don't focus on as much as they should. Um, and this is where like I've developed a lot of like love and care for the people who have supported me as an artist and also supported Women and Weapons as a brand is that like I've had time to learn about their stories, learn about what what brought them to the space, learn about who they are as people and really fallen in love with who they are as people and really want to be there for them as much as they've been there for me.
1: Right. Which gets back to that. Empathetic lens with which occupational therapy helped really develop even further than perhaps you already had it initially.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Very cool. So would you say understanding how to cultivate empathy is at the heart of understanding web three?
0: Yes, I think so. I think that, um, we'd be, I think we'd be a much happier space if everybody took the time to be empathetic and to put their themselves into other people's shoes. Um, and to also recognize that like, it's not me against you, it's let's help each other up because there's plenty of room for everybody. Um, and so that's one of my biggest focuses in life is being empathetic and being understanding and being open-minded. Um, and I hope that other people will take, take the opportunity to do those same things.
1: Right on. In terms of upcoming projects, things you're working on now, what, what, what are you excited about? What can you talk about? What's the landscape like?
0: Yeah, so from the get-go with Women and Weapons, storytelling has been something that's extremely important to me. Um bringing to life these characters that I've developed between my season 1 and season 2 characters has been extremely important to me. Um and you know, there there were times where Jake and I were having conversations with like entertainment studios and what have you. Um which is great and dandy because, you know, we've got like a a fair following within the web3 space, but whenever you zoom out globally, um you realize that 70,000 followers on Twitter is not actually as big as you think it is whenever you're in the Web3 bubble. And so a lot of those entertainment companies were kind of like, you know, we were kind of hoping for something with a bigger following or it may take years and years and years to cultivate this or whatever. Um, And so my husband, Jake, got really, really intrigued by animation. Um, Mm. And we kind of had an aha moment of we should just bring one of our characters to life ourselves and not wait around for an entertainment studio to come to us or for us to go to them. And then for whatever to be built, like kind of out of our control, we can do this on our own. Um, and so that's when we decided to develop Nova, who's one of our characters. It's essentially plucked from the women and weapons ecosystem. She's a season two character. Um, and She's got a real spicy personality. She's uh, basically got catapulted from the 1960s to 2023 via a lab accident that goes kind of alongside with our women and weapons lore. Um, and now she's trying to figure it out as an influencer in 2023, <laughs> as a 23-year-old, uh, who also now has fallen in love with AI. Um, so we're very excited about our character Nova, who's kind of helping with a little bit of our storytelling while being a little bit of a Trojan horse for Web3, whilst also, you know, being a little bit of a brand influencer as well. Um, and then outside of that, as an independent artist, I'm also very excited about this new collection that I'm working on. That's my essentially my heritage collection. And I've just finished piece number one and I'm on to piece number two and hoping to have five pieces total. So those are a couple of the things that we're most excited about.
1: Right on. And and with the Nova character, the idea then is to like you're you're not waiting for any as as you said, okay's from studios or or trying to go down that path. You're you're creating the character, one that speaks to you and feels good for for you and Jake. And then seeing what happens from that place.
0: Yeah, exactly. And also, I think one of the big things that we're recognizing is we're seeing more and more and more people who are gaining their entertainment from vertical medium platforms like Instagram and TikTok and YouTube shorts and what have you. Um, And I think recognizing the Tran- or the trajectory with which that's going in, it was also a smart decision for us to put Nova on those vertical medium platforms. Um, so hopefully we can continue to grow her out, grow out her story. Her story gets really catchy and then we'll see kind of what goes from there. But, um, you know, we, we put a lot of these different aspects into our minds as we were making all of these decisions. But it is nice to, you know, be able to have all this going on this trajectory.
1: So the larger goal then is to build Nova out, ideally perfect world. That becomes she has her own ecosystem, her own her own show, film, books. Is it you know all all encompassing in that respect?
0: Essentially, yes. Yeah, we want we want Nova to kind of be the first of many characters that we build out under the Women and Weapons umbrella. Um, so that's our goal, and um, you know we certainly are not the. Overpromise, underdeliver under-deliver type. But, you know, we definitely have broad goals for Women and Weapons, for Nova, for more characters. It's just, now it takes time.
1: In addition to Nova, anything else in terms of future uh, projects, future collaborations, you know, what, what else is on the horizon that you can, you can speak to that uh, you're really looking forward to?
0: Really biggest focus is continuing to brand build with Women and Weapons, trying to make Women and Weapons a household name, uh, something that can continue to empower people and also something that continues to be used for storytelling purposes within our Women and Weapons ecosystem and sphere. Um, so those are our biggest and primary goals and focuses at the moment.
1: And how has the feedback from the community, the Web3 community, been in terms of accepting Nova, having questions uh, about the character, what's sort of that interactivity been like, given that you know, it it sounds like from what we talked about before that you have a really good presence within your community and a really good dialogue with the folks that comprise it.
0: People have definitely adopted Nova. I think that they get a kick out of her personality, the fact that she like toes the line between like being politically incorrect um, and the fact that she kind of has a give no shits type of attitude. Um, because, you know, we don't often see many female, um, personalities, especially within the animation sphere who have these sassy little personalities that are very cheeky, that also make you laugh, but also might be able to teach you something cool. Um, and so I think people have gotten a big kick out of her and are really enjoying kind of watching her content and seeing where her story continues to evolve and change. So it's been, it's been really enjoyable working with her and developing her little personality.
1: And is that you? behind the personality and because you mentioned before, most of what you put out in terms of whether it's, you know, thoughts, feelings, emotions comes through the art. So has that been a shift to like, is it, has that been similar to learning web three where you've had to take what what's inside and and channel it in uh, a parallel medium
0: ish, you know, I think Nova can certainly say things that women and weapons as a brand can't say. Um, but also like, I think that, she's the type of personality that I would want to see in entertainment. Um, She's somebody that I would get a kick out of, which is why I built her to be the way she is. And I'm definitely the person in the suit. I'm the person who's making her move and I'm also her voice, but our personalities are also a little bit different. She's, I think a lot cheekier than I am a little bit of a pessimist, which is kind of funny. Um, But you know, we do have certainly differing personalities, but it's because like, I don't know. I think maybe I'm a little bit boring, whereas she's much more entertaining. Hence, why she's meant to be like the kind of entertainment aspect of Women and Weapons. Um, so, yeah.
1: So, got it. So she's she's not so much an extension of you th- through in the same way that that art is. She's sort of a an extension of, as you said, Women's w- Women and Weapons and and the the universe that that is helping to build rather than so got it
0: essentially the women and weapons like story is that these are women who are from this mid-century era this kind of again goes back to making these women from this mid-century powerful and you know in a time where oftentimes i think women didn't speak out of out of turn uh nova is a personality that comes from the 1960s that does speak out of turn. And she doesn't really care what those cultural norms were at that period in time. Um, And so that's, I think, another reason for why I wanted to make her personality that strong personality is I wanted her to be against the grain of what was expected at the time period that she came from.
1: And and how do you feel that that hits? Because there's a lot of similarities today with what's going on globally here in the US as well. You know, how does that personality type fit really uh today
0: yeah i mean i think that there's going to be people that absolutely love that there's this strong female character who you know is not being or allowed to be told what to do and what not to do uh she does what she wants she's her own independent personality and she don't give no shit. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, I think some people love that. And I'm sure there's going to be people who absolutely hate it. And that's totally fine, you know, to each their own. Um, Kind of similarly, I think with Deadpool, like it took forever for Deadpool to come to fruition because it was kind of towing the line of being a little bit politically incorrect, being a little bit unacceptable and so on and so forth. But that's part of why I absolutely love Deadpool because, you know, it's kind of outside of that norm, kind of outside of what, is appropriate and i love it for that i love things that beat march to the beat of their own drummer
1: Mm. amen well sarah I, i appreciate you shedding more light into both your professional and artistic journey and and how those two worlds ultimately converged into uh really a new path even though the path had been the the bricks of that path had been laid along uh all throughout and really just enjoy learning about your story and and your art and and everything in between.
0: Thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate you having me on today and allowing me to tell my story.
1: Yeah, of, of course. Uh, to that end, where can people find you? How can they become part of the community if they're interested in, what's, what's that process?
0: Yeah, um, you can find us pretty much on any social media handle at women and weapons. Uh, you can find me on pretty much any social media handle at NFT Sarah without an H Bauman B A U M A N N. And then you can find Nova pretty much on any social media platform at the Rise of Nova or Rise of Nova.
1: Very cool. Thanks for listening to another episode of Lights Camera Crypto, a podcast produced by Matt Bogart and Essential Media. Music by Brian Duncan and Kareem Imes. If you enjoyed this experience, be sure to rate and subscribe to our show and to follow at SLADIN and at Decentral Media for additional content.